We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Report, a Rotoviz radio news show covering the serious and mocking the ridiculous NFL news of the last week. I'm Blair Andrews. My co-host, as always, except for last week, is Hassan Rahim. Hassan, how's it going? Uh, you know, Blair, living the dream. It's, uh, you know, weather's changing. It's getting colder. Week seven, where it's, damn, can't believe it, man. Week seven weeks through the books. I know, it's fine. It's crazy, yeah. Uh, well, you know, we don't have a guest this week to discuss how, how quick this season is going, but uh, that's all right. We can We can hop right into the news. Uh, first item, someone we were hoping would finally catch fire, Juju Smith-Schuster, caught 9 of 13 targets for 85 yards in the Steelers' Week 7 win over the Titans. Juju had been seeing his target share decline and had been held under 50 yards in four straight games, but he was trending as sort of a low-ceiling, low-floor option, and today's game underscored how important he is to the Steelers. Uh, so what are your thoughts on Juju and the Steelers' receiving core going forward? Yeah, so this was actually interesting. Um, uh, one of the big issues here that with Juju, you know, like he was, he, we're still not seeing the touchdowns. We're not seeing the consistent usage. This was really good. Um, unfortunately, Deontay Johnson, I believe he got hurt again. He he did a lot of the damage, right? He scored most of the touchdowns, three of them, and, you know, had a really, really big day. Big day. Chase Claypool was kind of quiet. Um, but it is good to see Juju getting some usage. What is kind of frustrating is Ben seems to be jamming the ball to Ebron and stuff in the corners. Ebron also had a, had a pretty pretty impressive day himself. Um, I mean, you know, for for just a for just a fill in tight end, he you know caught eight of his six targets for fifty yards. What's interesting when you're watching this team is that even though Ben attempted like forty nine passes, he's uh, you know he's, he's averaging like five point five like a yards per attempt. Like he's just. Um, 
I mean, like, it seems like he knows that his arm isn't, like, able to, you know, support these, like, deep, long heaves all the time, right? And so he's okay with, like, dumping it down short, letting playmakers make plays. Um, so it's, it's, it's interesting watching this a little bit of a change here. Some some really smart quarterback play from, 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 from Ben today, I thought, and, like, a good usage of Juju who had, like, you know, almost had the team high in 14 targets. I don't know, right? Like the issue with 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 Juju is, um, you know, even though he, we didn't see Deontay, we saw them like you know feeding Chase Claypool, who only saw the one target today, which was unfortunate. Question is what happens next week, and if it's, you know it's going to be a big James Washington week or not. But like I think that he is a fairly integral part of the offense, and I'm hoping that maybe it was an injury related stuff that, that he was kind of limping around and everything. Uh, you know, it's I, I would still be plugging him into my lineup. I've been plugging him into any lineup where I own him every week and sort of hoping and then being disappointed. So, so it's good to see this, but hopefully, you know, he can see, continues to get this kind of usage and we see, um, you know, the touchdowns eventually follow. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm definitely optimistic. I mean, I think, like you said, it was pretty, pretty weird to see, you know, this team have this much volume and still produce so little, um, you know. Even on 14 targets, Juju could only get 85 yards. Deontay Johnson had 80 on 15 targets. Um, yeah, I mean, you kind of mentioned how inefficient Ben was today. Um, so, I mean, that's something that you normally wouldn't think of as being a concern for this offense, that they can't necessarily, uh, you know, they can't put up points even on low volume. So, yeah, there are... There are some concerns, I think, yeah, with a lot of aspects of this offense, and that's kind of a weird thing to say about a team that is now six and zero. But, um, you know, I think uh, Juju showed that he's that he is an important piece of this offense, and even though he was outscored by Deontay again, I think in in future weeks we could see the touchdowns go his way. Um, yeah, what what are your thoughts on Chase Claypool being completely phased out of the passing game, really? Yeah, so I'm I'm really not so sure, right? Like they just seem to have like so many people. Like it seems like they made like a point to feature Ebron, Juju, and Deontay this game, right? They just have so many weapons that they can kind of just do. Like they can literally use a hot hand approach at wide receiver, mm-hmm. as weird as it sounds, right? Like, basically, mm-hmm. who's getting the matchups, who's getting open, who's able to go through his defender and just make plays, right? And, uh, I mean, Ch- like, Chase Claypool is a mensch, man. Like, the guy is just, like, massive, right? Like, he's just a beast. So I'm kind of, I'm trying to, I'm kind of interested and a little excited to see what happens. I think, you know, if Deontay is, again, forced to miss a handful of games, like, you should be plugging Chase Claypool back in, right? Like, he's just going to be smashing, yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, you know, when you see that Pittsburgh threw the ball 49 times and Claypool only had one target like that, that is something that uh, you want to kind of take a second look at, especially when, you know, after Deontay was hurt. Um, so I think you still plug Claypool in, but it's, you know, I don't know how much to take away from this game, but... It's definitely a little bit, uh, well, yeah, that's concerning, too, that he wasn't a bigger part of this offense when there was so much volume going around to other guys. And maybe it's like you said, it's just a hot hand. But, you know, for guys that you are potentially talking about as, you know, being one of the top rookies this season, um, 
<laughs> you'd like to see them get targets every game. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like, think of it this way, right? Like, with, with Juju and uh, Deontay splitting about, like, you know, 60-ish percent, maybe a little bit more of the targets, and with Ebron taking away a good chunk as well, they didn't really does, doesn't leave much over. But, like, with, if Deontay misses games, that frees up, like, 15 targets. That's a lot, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Antonio Gibson rushed 20 times for 128 yards and a touchdown in Washington's Week 7 win against the Cowboys. Uh, yeah, I mean, Gibson ran through gaping holes in Dallas's defensive lines early in the game, you know, and he showed off his uh, speed-power combo and on a handful of impressive runs, but he didn't see any usage in the receiving game. What are your thoughts on Gibson and the rest of the Washington backfield? Uh, I'm, I'm a little bit intrigued by Gibson after this performance, but... Kind of like you said, it's it's weird that he didn't see any work in the receiving game. With this as someone who, you know, played receiver at uh, Memphis and is coming in with that being basically the strongest part of his game. Um, he's still being out targeted by JD McKissick. Uh, but I mean, how many games are we going to see Washington win twenty-five to three? You know, um, this is something that I think is not going to be a regular occurrence in uh, Washington's schedule, in their upcoming schedule. I mean, Dallas just looks totally, completely lost. I don't know what, I don't know what's going on. They obviously have a lot of injuries on the offensive line and, you know, Dalton got hurt again today. Um, So it was nice to see, you know, Gibson be able to put up some points in a game where they could afford to use him a lot, but I don't necessarily think that, um, he's going to be featured this much, especially if he's not their primary pass catching back. So, you know, Sean and I started JD McKissick again in our uh, main event team, which feels gross, and he didn't do that well. But um, he's been pretty <laughs> solid for us, which is I don't know. I mean, I never would have thought, never would have envisioned myself saying those words before the season started, or even I don't know four weeks ago. So. It's wild. Uh, we should, uh, I'm sorry, I kind of miswrote the blurb. Uh, Antonio Gibson had one target and he failed to catch it. And to your point about J.D. McKissick being solid, we should let our listeners know that uh, you guys are really looking for, like, five points from your running backs because like, of how sick your like, wide receivers <laughs> are. And that's kind of what you've been getting. That's what you mean by solid, right? <laughs> right, solid. No, he wasn't solid today. I think last week he had, like, 14 points. But, I mean, yeah, this week he had seven, which... Uh, makes him almost our highest scoring running back. He was just barely outscored by Jermichael Hasty, who had eight uh, on our bench. And yeah, we're rolling out AJ Dillon, getting 1.1 points, and still winning our matchup with our with our wide receivers. So it's all good. Yeah, no, okay, yeah, that's that, that's huge. Congrats, AJ Dillon. Uh, kind of sucks, but uh, I could have oh, told on. you that if you'd actually asked me, I would have told you. Um, but yeah, so like the interesting thing you brought up earlier in this convo was about um, Gibson being a uh, game flow dependent, and I, and I I think some of it just has to do with the fact that um, I mean, like you said, like it really just kind of is like the blowout factor here a little bit. There's a really mm-hmm. dirty hit on Dalton, um, and I mean like the Dallas offense with like I mean with Dalton on the center is absolutely pathetic. It's putrid. Like he shouldn't have even gotten the contract. Like he should have been washed out of the league, frankly. But um, that's really the kind of play that, that he was giving you prior to getting hurt. The hit on him was nasty, and I really, really, really don't think there's any place for that in the game. Um, 
Yeah. Uh, but like you know, from from Gibson's perspective, we've seen him getting a bunch of targets. We know we know he's explosive. Now it's just a matter of putting it all together, right? Like at least one of these guys in like the the Gibson or then Bowden of mold kind of hit. Yeah. Um, but before we get into our game, uh, Ricky Breakout or Fake Out, um, a quick word from our sponsors. Indeed, you know, even though sports had a break, your business, it didn't. You have to keep moving, and that means hiring more important than ever, and Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier. Like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire, with 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month. Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is the best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. All right, let's get into our game. Rookie breakout or fake out. First item up, Harrison Bryant caught four or five targets for 56 yards and two touchdowns in the Browns' Week 7 win over the Bengals. Yeah, uh, this is interesting. I'm actually... So, like, the rules, again, just to remind everyone, so this for, like, tight end, it would probably actually be top 12. Uh, and for wide receiver and running back, it's top 24, respectively. So a TE1 or low-end TE1 or a low-end RB2 or wide receiver 2, respectively. And I think I'm going to break out, man. Ooh. He looks good, dude. He looks good. Uh, OBJ, the, the Browns are fearing that knee injury is serious. Um, I mean, Odell, like, did it to himself. <laughs> I mean, it's, just, it's sad to say, like, if you guys were watching the game, I think it's a real bummer. Um, it was his, on an interception return, right? Yeah. yeah uh, I didn't see it. But. I think he was also the cause of the interception, but I, I, I only read about, like, the actual injury. I didn't see it. Yeah. But, um, I mean, Harrison Bryant looked really good, right? So, so David Njoku, he started ahead of David Njoku, who, um, uh, I, I, you know, there were, a, remember back in the day when like OJ, OJ Howard and Joku and Engram were coming out and after their rookie years, people were like, oh, the passing tight end, he's going to be the revolution. You know, the offense is going to flow through all three of these guys. They're going to be so good. No, they suck. <laughs> They're so bad. They're so, and I feel really bad because OJ Howard tore his Achilles, but Njoku is a proven kind of bust, and so is Ingram, right? Like, Ingram had the uh, one big rookie year, and, like, maybe he's dealing with injuries, right? Yeah. But, like, these guys are no different than, like, any of the other guys you can find off of waivers, frankly, right? And, like, Harrison Bryant should be rostered if you have the space. Um, and, realistically, all that drives DE scoring is volume and injuries to wide receivers or, like, capable wide receivers, the gap left in, in you know in OG, OBJ's absence is huge, and I think I think Harrison Bryant has earned a bigger role. And again, like the bar, the threshold for clearing TE twelve or whatever at the end of the season um, is pretty low. So I'm, I'm fairly optimistic on on Bryant here. Um, so that's why I'm going with breakout. 
Yeah, I can actually see that, if only because Bryant is someone that this team was getting snaps and even targets as early as week one. Like, they've had him as part of their plans um, from basically the beginning. So I think it is not that surprising that he started over in Joku today, especially, you know, there were, I think, rumors that Njoku had requested a trade, although he denied them, but... Um, I think it's not a surprise, and I think that we might see a lot more of him going forward. Yeah, he was a really popular DFS play that I wasn't on, unfortunately, and kudos to everyone who played him because you you, you earned the, the, the W there. Um, no, not necessarily. Uh, <laughs> I mean, come on, this was great. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, so, I mean, even if Njoku demands a trade, like, what are the what are the Browns getting back? Clearly nowhere near what, like, what they could just get from with him, right? Like, what, like a conditional fourth? Maybe a fifth. Yeah, I have no idea. DeAndre Swift rushed uh, nine times for 27 yards and a touchdown to the Lions' Week 7 win over the Falcons. He also caught four or five targets for 21 yards. I'm definitely going breakout for DeAndre Swift. Uh, he's, you know, the uh, the main feature back on our quad-managed squad, keeping us uh, in the hunt. Really? Um, I mean, it's a legitimate question at this point, right, whether he should have been the first running back taken, right? Yes, I, mean, I, I agree with you. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Taylor has actually been okay. I think that offense is really bad. Edwards Hilaire was not that great today, as I recall, although I didn't catch the end of that one. But... Um, but, yeah, I think DeAndre Swift is showing that even without a humongous workload, he's able to be really effective. And if at some point they start giving him more high-value touches, stop uh, giving the ball to Peterson quite as much, then we could really be looking at a, you know, even more than, than what we're calling a breakout. So I'm excited. Yeah, I'm with you. So, like, uh, I, I did a drop-in spot on the uh, Road of His Overtime pod, and I spoke a little bit about Swift, and I was talking about where you might want to take him in Dynasty, uh, you know, just in, like, uh, startups or even in this rookie draft, right? There's, a, like, mm-hmm. a back, like, back rain and I were messaging, like, there's a case for him to even be considered as a dino, like, like the rookie 101, and there's a case to take, like, a Jefferson and Lamb, like, 102, 103, and then the rest mm-hmm. of the running backs, and, like, probably, you know, who cares about Akers and stuff, right? Like, like, <laughs> like, like, like the one of the bigger selling points for Jonathan Taylor this offseason was like the offensive line, which is just like okay, this is tremendous analysis. I really wanted to learn more about Quentin Nelson, and um, so you know we had like a whole lot of people like slobbering over themselves to praise the offensive line for um, uh, the Colts, and, and and Jonathan Taylor looks nothing more like current day Melvin Gordon, or maybe even a worse version of current day Melvin, of Melvin, right? Uh, so like I like like that's where he looks like to me when he plays like maybe maybe I'm just biased or whatever and and I was a Jonathan <laughs> I am a John Jonathan Taylor fan I think one of the things working against Swift a little bit is is that Patricia is an idiot um, yeah like this guy is 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 uh, just stubborn and obstinate in his beliefs we know the Atlanta Falcons themselves the defense is very good at stopping the run and this mm-hmm. game stayed very close towards the end I mean Detroit squeaked out a win. But he was, like, in neutral strip. This guy was running Adrian Peterson up the gut only to watch him lose two yards each time. It was just pathetic. 
Um, yeah. He didn't play with a will to win. At the very least, the only thing I'm going to give him credit for is recognizing that like Swift's best like uh, capability is his pass catching role. Like like he's been seeing four to five targets a game. Yeah, you know, and this is despite dropping the game winner in week one, which like that's you know good for for a rookie who essentially lost them like the first game that they played against division rival Chicago Bears. Yeah. Yeah, right. I mean, it's especially uh, especially nice to see when you compare him to someone who he was going around in in rookie drafts and in in uh, drafts this off season in Cam Akers and seeing his team actually like trust him with a with a well defined role, even though you might hope that it grows a little bit. Um, although, in you know, by the same token, you might prefer that. Patricia gives Peterson those meaningless rushing carries between the twenties. So, hey, I'm with you. Bad. Yeah, nah, man. I mean, I'm with you on, on that, right? Like, I really don't care. I mean, like the thing, the thing with Swift is he's just like exhibited bursts, right? Like we, like mm-hmm. we've seen him just like find daylight and like take it to the house. Like he can break off chunk chunk runs, right? Like the the fact that he didn't get anything going today on the ground is because the Falcons, as we know, are designed to set up the run. They just bleed volume to receivers. Like it's a really backwards NFL offense, frankly. And any team that has a good passing offense, uh, you know, puts up points on them. As we've seen, uh, you know, with uh, them losing to the Cowboys, the Seahawks, the Packers, the Panthers, the Vikings also like you know came close to it, right? Like so, so. You know, like I'm not too dismayed about Swift. I was, like, I'm a bit dismayed that he didn't break off a couple of long ones. But like, it's it's neither here nor there when you're getting like when you're catching four balls a game, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. Joe Burrow completed 35 of 47 passes for 406 yards, three touchdowns, and an interception in the Bengals' Week Seven loss to the Browns, adding six carries for 34 yards and a touchdown. Yeah, I mean, this is a clear breakout, right? Like, he's going to end the season as a QB1, right? Like, like and this is also, that's also the criteria for quarterbacks right? as a QB1. So I think I think Burrow is going to finish the season as a quarterback one. I want to check and see where he's currently ranked in total, uh, like, uh, uh, season rankings. So yeah, uh, give me a quick second while I, while I pull that up really quick. But, I mean, I'm, I'm just here for the breakout. I, I, I believe that like, he's a very, very good quarterback and we're seeing it. It looks like going into the season, or not to the season, going into the week, he was, no, that doesn't make sense. What does it make sense? What did you pull up? Oh, I I didn't see his name. Here we go. He hasn't been that efficient. Yeah. Uh, no, he's fairly him. inefficient. I oh, uh, sorry. I don't know. He's like QB 18 or something. It looks like going into this game. Yeah, that so that doesn't count. Oh, uh, so that doesn't count the game you just had. Yeah, so I'm looking at today's game. He's currently ranked out here as like a quarterback 11. Not yeah. bad. And like and, and and that's and that's including Kyler who's still playing, Russell who's still playing, Goff who's got yet to play and Nick Foles who's yet to play, right? So like yeah. he's he's on the on the QB1 cusp, right? Like yeah. all that all, that's all that kind of matters. Um right. 
And, I mean, if you look at the season rankings today, you see Prescott still ahead of him, Fitzpatrick still ahead of him. So he's obviously going to gonna move up the ranks a little bit. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 and some of it just comes with, like, he, like you said, he's been largely inefficient. Yeah, but uh, he also hasn't, you know, really faced a, a, a you know a bunch of easy offenses, and and some of it just comes down to a little bit of a just play calling, right? So like uh, Chargers, Browns, Eagles, Jaguars, Ravens, Colts, Browns, right? Like the at Colts he did well, he got completely destroyed uh, versus the Ravens, but you know he's gone over 300 yards yards passing in all but two games, and that one of those was the Ravens, and one of those was the season debut against the Chargers. And he did really well against the Browns today, right? So I mean, like all all things considered, he's going to do he's doing particularly well. I think he's going to definitely end the season as like a you know QB anywhere in that QB ten to QB twelve range. Um, what's interesting is uh, and like outside you know like he's not as close to Mahomes or Kyler as you'd like in terms of points per game, but like uh, he's he's getting up there, right? Like he's got he's averaging. Um, let's see here. After this game, he's averaging about 16.2. So, you know, sorry, 19 point, uh, 19.1. So he's, uh, could be 15 in points per game, the same as Matt Ryan. So a little bit of work can be done here. I think he can get there. You know, uh, if he gets, if the efficient comes, comes back into, uh, kind of what we expect, then, then you're definitely looking at someone who would be a top 12 QB based on his opportunity. So, yeah. Denzel Mims uh, got four of seven targets for 42 yards in uh, the Jets' week seven loss against Buffalo. All right. So we're talking wide receiver two. Um, I'm going to say, I'm going to say breakout. Uh, oh wow, uh, that's a little yeah. aggressive. I think wide receiver, like, well, uh, sorry for like uh, wide receiver, we could use uh, thirty. I mean, like, he could end as a wide receiver thirty-six, despite how much he's missed, right? He could, yeah. I mean, what was interesting is that he led the team in targets. I mean, it's the Jets, so you don't necessarily expect much. He led the team in targets. He was targeted once in the end zone, at least once. Um, he did okay with his targets, but I mean, if we if we get into games where the Jets have to throw more or are able to throw more, then you could see him, you know, getting double-digit targets a lot of games. And he's the sort of player, I think, who would normally you'd normally expect to be explosive and turn those targets into touchdowns. So um, maybe on a per-game basis going forward, he could be a top 24 wide receiver from this point. Um, you know, obviously it helped that Crowder was out today, uh, but still, I think you, you see him getting more targets going forward and guys like Braxton Berrios getting fewer targets. Yeah, but like, doesn't Berrios play the same slot role as like, Crowder? And and leaving Mims as like the outside guy, so like I don't, I, I can see them coexisting. I can't see a reason for Braxton, like, Braxton Berrios existing anymore. Nah, that's what I'm saying. If, you know, when Crowder comes back, that doesn't affect Mim so much, but it probably pushes Berrios uh, out of the, you know, off the field a lot of the time. So I'm bullish on Mims even after Crowder returns, right? Yeah, same, same, same. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely with you. I think he's really impressive because this is his first game off of IR. 
Yeah. And 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 we kind of know. I mean, even though the the bills aren't particularly like they're in a you know a little bit of freefall here, um, kind of kind of in uh, not doing as well as you'd hoped, but um, you know, and and we know they have a strongish secondary. But uh, bless you. Um, so, so we know that. So we know they have a stronger secondary. But like, um, they're still doing like uh, like like Mims did pretty well, right? Like, um, uh, I I'm pretty heartened, man. I mean, like the whole thing is, and like Peter Overzet and Bakarin and I discussed this on ship on, on ship chasing. This rookie wide receiver class is ridiculous, not just because of how deep it is, but how good it is, man. Yeah. I mean, I mean, like. The only guy who we haven't seen anything out of and probably might not might be Michael Pittman, right? Like as an early, like as an early pick. Like yeah. all these guys like, who were picked early are doing just gangbusters. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, um, Sean wrote an article last week about how if you missed out on Claypool, you should try to get Mims as like an arbitrage, try to trade for him. And uh, I mean, it's crazy to think that. You know, Mims could have the sort of impact Claypool has had so far. But, you know, I mean, at this point, seeing what every other rookie wide receiver has done, it's hard to believe that he, you know, it's hard to see him not having this this kind of impact given where he was taken in this in this class. So, yeah, you know, I'm. I'm with you, man. Like we might just look back on this like running back class and be like, what was everyone doing, right? Like everyone's it feels like I wrote a little bit about this in one of my zero RB columns before the season started. Was that uh, everyone's been chasing that 2017 running back class for so long now, but, but I mean, just mm-hmm. ignoring the the true busts that have come from it, right? Like, could you imagine like 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 drafting Keyshawn Vaughn? ahead of most of the guys who went after him, like C.D. Lamb and uh, uh, Justin Jefferson. <laughs> just, like, everyone, right? Like, like I would just, like, honestly consider quitting Dynasty at that point. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm happy to say I'm not one of the ones who was drafting Vaughn when he was getting into the into the first, even into the late first. Or even the late second, man. I mean, just, like, you had to pass up on a lot of solid, like, wide receiver talent to do that. That's true. That's true. It was I just, mean, like, like I, if you were doing that, honestly, like, you should genuinely consider, reconsider your dynasty philosophy and reconsider whether or not you, you're, like, got out to play this. Like, really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm still bullish on Vaughn. I still think Vaughn could be a useful fantasy player, but there is no way he's going to be a star in the league the way that, the way that like Claypool could or Jefferson or even maybe Mims could if he, if he can build on this performance. I mean, you know, he just doesn't have that in his range of outcomes, I don't think. So, yeah, I'm with you. James Robinson rushed 22 times for 119 yards and a touchdown and caught four of six targets for 18 yards and a touchdown in the Jaguars' Week 7 loss to the Chargers. Uh, I'm going with breakout, man. I'm, I, I, like, I, I don't know what to say, right? Like, like, like J-God is the truth. And by the way, for anyone who calls him J-Rob, you're wrong. His actual nickname is J-God. Um, like, just watching him on that, like, Thursday night game, like, a few weeks ago, just against against the Dolphins, where he was like leaning into contact, was a primary receiver, like just doing everything that uh, Leonard Fournette did, but like almost kind of, like just the same way as Leonard Fournette did, and just you know given the 
lack of capital spent on him. What was he like a seventh rounder? I think I'm he was drafted. Yeah, you're right. He was undrafted. And, uh, you know, just to peel back the curtain a little bit further, this is back in, uh, we were talking about the quad. This is a team that, uh, I mean, like James Robinson was someone that myself, Pete, and, and Pat also discussed in ship chasing, was, you know, this this is a guy who we legitimately had a bid in on. We didn't bid enough. We wanted Bryce Love at the time. And we were just trying to take, you know, statistical shots on like on like open-ish backfields and like we kind of expected the Jags to not yield a particularly good backfield we thought Visca would steal some work uh, and he is uh we thought Chris Thompson would be a little bit more involved but we also expected Reichwell Armstead you know on on the COVID list to actually play unfortunately really sad news for him I don't think he's going to be playing this season I hope he gets well soon and you know we expected a little bit of divine Zigbo and we didn't know if they're going to bring in a free agent so like all this stuff was going on and he went for like 3 bucks in FFPC which is like <laughs> nothing right yeah. like like just just pathetic and like he's putting up like i believe uh John Lipinski and Monty Fan both of them like tried to get him on their main event teams and Jay God has just been like lights out i mean he's like a all purpose bell cow right and like people are going to he's going to go a little bit too high in redraft next season but like from a from a sale perspective or anything, so like you just write it out, man. I mean, the guy's putting up yards and totals; it doesn't matter, right? And and he's like realistically kind of like the lead guy going forward. There's like he could be the next Chris Carson, right? Like, um, well, yeah, except with targets, <laughs> right? And that's what makes him so exciting. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about how disappointing most of the rookie running backs have been in this class, apart from Swift. Robinson obviously was also a rookie. So where would you have him ranked, like if you were doing a, a rookie draft today, knowing you know what he's done and also that he's an undrafted free agent? Probably like mid-second, maybe earlier than Akers. I don't know about that, right? Like it, it depends on what you're like with the Mason-Dixon line here is, but like a lot of the rookie wideouts need to be like shoved way up. Uh, yeah. you got to push a lot of the running backs a little bit further down. Um, and I'm trying to think a little bit on uh, on on like where some of the other guys might fall and where you might want to consider the quarterbacks. But like 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 J. Rob was just sort of on waivers for the most part in a lot of leagues. And if you if you picked him up, man, like kudos to you. And I'm sorry I called him J. Rob. I know it's J. God. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you look at him and uh, I mean, having a rookie breakout from an undrafted free agent like this. It's reminiscent of Philip Lindsay, who's maintained some of his value despite being an undrafted free agent. Except Robinson has actually been better because he's being used in the passing game. So, um, yeah, you know, it's a little like I tend to think that. Well, actually, we know from I think an article that Fantasy Douche wrote back in the day that uh, draft position does have an impact on running back opportunity, even going into year two, even in year two. So uh, undrafted free agents often are, their workload is a little more fragile than guys who are drafted early. Mm-hmm. But still, given what Robinson's been able to do through seven weeks, I think you you have to look at him as being one of the top running backs in this class. I mean, you know, I might consider late first, mid first. Yeah, but like after a lot of the rookie wideouts, right? Well, yeah, but but um, before definitely before Acres, I think obviously before Vaughn. Oh yeah. Before, um, I'm trying to think uh, who else. 
who are the other running backs? Probably not before Edwards Hilaire or Taylor. Right. Yeah. Not, I think not, they've been good, right, but yeah. So those guys should probably go late first, early second. Like you probably want Ceh, Jt, and then Dobbins. Dobbins, right? That's it. Uh, I might have Robinson ahead of Dobbins now, unless Dobbins mm. can. Well, I don't know. I mean, you know, even if if Mark Ingram goes away, maybe Dobbins gets that whole rushing workload and can become like a touchdown monster, even without a large passing role. But that's kind of that situation's a little scary too. Albert Okuebunam got seven of seven targets for sixty yards in the Broncos' Week Seven loss to the Chiefs. Uh, this one is interesting. I I think I'm going to go fake out on this one, uh, even though I did like Albert O coming in to the season. I did like him as a prospect, and I think long-term he's a really good asset, and obviously he was great today. I mean, seven of seven targets. Um, you know, Noah Fant is still there, still going to command targets. I think Judy had a pretty uh, pretty bad game today from a from an opportunity standpoint, as I recall, but you'd expect him to be a lot more involved. So uh, I don't think it's likely we see Alberto getting these kind of targets a lot going forward. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Could be could be wrong. Um, and I like him. I like him long term for sure. So I'm I'm buying even uh, after this performance. But I don't know that it, I'm expecting it to pay off this season. I don't know. What do you think? No, I'm kind of with you. I I think it's like you know, Fant being hurt, Judy not looking particularly good. Like uh, I don't know what to say because a lot of these points came in like um, garbage time and stuff, right? Like it's just hard to wrap my head yeah. around that a little bit. So you know, yeah, kind I don't of, know. I mean. Uh, I, I can't see him breaking out in the same way you can see, like, you know, Harrison Bryant doing it, right? Like, um, Yeah, only because Bryant has kind of the opportunity from the injuries ahead of him. And obviously, you know, Sutton went down with on the – he's on the IR now. So there are some – there are more opportunities for guys to kind of come out of nowhere on this offense. But, uh, you know, Judy had only four targets. Tim Patrick, I think he might have gotten hurt in this game. Uh, he had four targets, only four. You would have expected more from him. Hamler had three targets. You're kind of still waiting for him to really uh, have a have a sort of breakout performance. And uh, Fant had seven targets as well, which was good to see. But yeah, I think in the future we'll see more of these, more opportunities going to a lot of the receivers. I kind of want to ask about Judy, though. Are you at all concerned after this performance? Yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think some of it is, like, lock-related, but he also hasn't done much with anybody else. Like, some of it is just, like, a, from a wide receiver perspective. Like, just from a quarterback perspective, yeah, it's not the greatest or not the best in the world, but, like, I I would be worried, man. Like, they're not, they're not great. They're not looking great. Um like he's just he, he you know he might actually be bad right like he might he might not be like he might be one of the like the few wide receivers I'm still holding out hope because we just don't know because of how bad Locke has been but right yeah yeah I mean what's interesting is he started off the season 
with eight targets, seven targets, nine targets in the first three weeks. And then in the next three games over four weeks, four targets, five targets, four targets. So uh, he's seen his, he's seen his opportunity kind of evaporate a little. And obviously there were some quarterback changes in there. Um, So it's hard to, you know, figure out exactly what's going on, but you never want to see a guy start out getting a lot of opportunity, especially a rookie, and then have it kind of fall off. So hopefully he'll get back to where he was to start the season, and then we'll see him actually produce more. But, yeah, I'm I'm a little worried too. Although, I mean, I think if I own him in Dynasty, and I do own him on a few Dynasty teams, I'm still holding. I'm not looking to get rid of him just yet. But uh, you hope that this this team can can kind of <laughs> make some more things happen and get more get more targets his way. I think it's me. Sorry. <laughs> Justin Herbert completed 27 of 43 passes for 347 yards, three touchdowns, and added 66 yards and a touchdown on nine carries in the Chargers' Week 7 win over the Jaguars. Yeah, so this is a guy who is a little, I mean, it's a little difficult to, like, really um, – like uh, talk to him about like on, on a total perspective, but I do think I'm definitely leaning breakout with him. Devin McIntyre and I had like a pretty good back and forth about you know Herbert and his value and everything uh, in the road of his lack. Um, but um, Herbert, unlike unlike uh, Barrow, actually has established a ceiling. And like I know we came into the season expected to be kind of poor, right? But from a points per game perspective, he's putting up quite a few points, right? Like he's Putting up like those, you know, the, like he, he gets you into those like the mid to high twenties. Uh, like kind of has been like his mo. I can believe this was average points per game has been over the last handful of starts. It's really unfortunate that like, the injury to Tyrod Taylor has been really, really poor, um, poor timing. But as we had Kevin Cole on like to start off like our pod, like you know way back when he was mentioning that he doesn't think Taylor is a real threat anyway to Herbert. Herbert. Uh, this season, and what's interesting is that like Herbert's making a ton of big plays, and that's also without Mike Williams really on the field, right? Like he's doing it with guys like Jalen Guyton and Donald Parham, and just a whole bunch of like rando guys. Like he's elevating a lot of these also rands or like you know guys that we don't consider to be particularly good. Virgil Green. So it's interesting to see him like elevate his supporting cast, and he also you know continues to feed Keenan Allen kind of re- relentlessly. Um, I, I, you know, just like from a from a scouting, like quarterback scouting perspective, like this is really interesting to me, and I think that it's kind of cool that he's also got some of that rushing, right? Like he, you know, tacked on sixty six yards and a touchdown, so he kind of gives you like a bit of both, what you want out of a fantasy quarterback. And I do think that, like from a dynasty value perspective, I think him and Barrow should at least be considered equivalent. Um, and I think, uh, you know, may, like possibly, you know, even as Dua, right? And so, like, I do, I do think that he is a particularly good quarterback. So it's interesting to see where he's going. What are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, we've, you know, we've been having this conversation about Herbert versus Burrow, uh, for a couple weeks now. Burrow was obviously really good today too, but I mean, with Herbert keeping this up, you're starting to look at his rookie season as being basically one of the best rookie quarterback seasons ever. Um, you know, Deshaun Watson started hot, uh, with a lot of touchdowns and, Apart from him, it's hard to. I mean, I'd have to look this up, but I don't know if there's another another rookie quarterback who started with as many uh, 
touchdowns in his rookie season in the first seven weeks. So, um, yeah, he's been he's been awesome, obviously. And I don't know. I'm probably already moving Herbert ahead of Burrow just because he's been he's been this good and he's been so consistent. And uh, we'll obviously have to see how Tua looks next week. But I mean, you know, it's hard to think that he would be able to play as well as Burrow has, or rather as Herbert has, just because of of how good he's been. So, yeah, I'm already ready to move Herbert to like QB one in this class. Yeah, that's that's interesting because like I'm not there just yet, but I'm willing to see them on par, right? Like from a one quarterback mm-hmm. perspective, right? Like you, mm-hmm. you like like uh, you and I selected Burrow into our fairly early in a in a one QB uh, high stakes uh, fantasy league that we you know dynasty league that we all co own, and really we should just wait it to like the fifth round and taken Herbert, right? Like we would have been better <laughs> off had we right. had we t- had we just loaded up uh, on on other things. I'm trying to like pull up our draft board here, so we we took. Um, we took uh, Chenault at 112, and we took – who is the other guy that we took here? Um, trying to trying to find it. No, we moved back. We, we got, traded away. Yeah, like, yeah, that's right. Yeah, we traded away for Landry and Devin Coleman. How did that work out for us? Yeah, Landry oh. wasn't that bad today. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, we didn't start him, unfortunately. But, yeah, so, I, like, <laughs> like, I think – I do think that this is, you know, I mean – we could have just waited, right? Because like I'm scanning. No, uh, Herbert went in round three after we picked Tua. Yeah. So I mean, I think it's fine, right? Like I do, I do think that like I'm willing to move him up. Like I think, and I do think that like he should be like at least both Burrow and Herbert should be ranked alongside Josh Allen as far as that goes, like from a quarterback perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, Allen wasn't that good today. Well, yeah, his stock should be on the decline, but like it's, he's got like there's probably some inertia that that keeps him up there, right? Sure, sure. I'm I'm hesitant to make big moves after just one game, you know. But uh, but yeah, I definitely think seeing seeing Herbert do this as a rookie and doing it kind of every week, he's this good. Uh, that's that's a pretty strong signal. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire rushed uh, eight times for 46 yards and a touchdown and got one of four targets for 17 yards in the Chiefs' Week 7 win over the Broncos. I still have Hilaire as Edwards-Hilaire as a breakout. Uh, He, you know, wasn't great today. Le'Veon Bell did get in the game, but he he carried the ball six times and didn't get a single target, whereas Edwards-Hilaire got four. So... I still think Bell's presence is not going to impact Edwards Alaire as much as uh, we maybe feared. So I still believe that he should be able to get uh, get to running back two without much trouble. I mean, this was a really weird game where you know <laughs> the Chiefs score 43 points and Mahomes only has 200 passing yards. Like you're not going to see that again. So I think in in future games where Kansas City's defense isn't so uh, isn't so good and isn't scoring so much, you end up seeing Edwards Hilaire get more opportunity, more of the receiving work, and uh, more fantasy points. So yeah, I'm not I'm not worried. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. I mean, like the script really went off center, and uh, it 
just sort of doesn't matter, right? You just sort of throw this out. Hedwig Zelaire, like, for, like, everything else has been pretty good, right? Like, it's, it's hard, like, between him and Swift, it's kind of tough, right? Like, like those two are, like, the clear runaway RB1s and two, um, and you can flip them in preference. I mean, like, had Swift ended up on the Chiefs, who knows, right? Like, like he probably would be commanding, like, Saquon or, or CMC uh, value right now. Um, but, um, yeah, yeah, like, I'm, I'm kind of with you. Yeah, I mean, the thing about Edwards Hilaire is that until last week, I think, he hadn't been, he hadn't been very efficient, but he had been still getting the opportunity, which is, which is good to see. And, you know, running back efficiency, I think, even more so than wide receiver efficiency is, uh, you know, not all that sticky, especially on a week-to-week basis. So, um, you know, if he continues to get most of the work, which I think he should, although, I mean, I guess there are some concerns that Le'Veon Bell will start to work in more, and he was just, he was kind of being used sparingly because it was really his first active week with the team. Um, There are some of those concerns. What do you think of that? Yeah, I, I don't know what to make of Bell, man. I mean, so, like, I know Bell's good. And I know that he's, you know, like he's uh, probably excited to be here, and it's probably why he took such little money, just because it gives him a chance to rehab his image and everything else. Um, from that perspective, uh, I, I know, but like I just don't know how much work. I mean, I can see them like really giving Bell a little bit more work, like kind of spelling them. I don't know if this fifty is going to be a fifty-fifty timeshare. It might be Edward Zelaya, and then like Bell gets some of the mop-up work or whatever. But I don't think he's going to be that big of a drag. I mean, Bell's been like, 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 like Bell's like putting up pretty solid numbers. Stuff like you didn't see, like, you like today, like six point five yards, yards mm-hmm. per carry, and that's like not something we would have seen on the on the Jazz. But it's also like kind of a function of game script a little bit, right? Yeah. Zach Moss rushed seven times for forty-seven yards in Week Seven against the Jets. Uh, this is interesting. So, um, uh. I added this one fairly late, so I don't think I got, like, a full Zach Moss. Yep, he also got three targets for 25 yards. Um, him and him and Singletary worked in a pretty much 50-50 timeshare against the Jets, and the Jets have a fairly start run defense, and Moss lapped Singletary, man. Like, mm. like just lapped him in both the rushing and the receiving game. I think he's earned a bigger role going forward. I could see him ending as an RB2, like a low-end RB2. Like, not nothing game-changing, but a good plug-and-play option if you need, like, 10, 11 points, man. What do you think? Yeah, I'm in on Moss. I think uh, he was the guy who, you know, obviously it was, it was crazy taking Vaughn where he, where he was going in some rookie drafts at some points in the season. But if you're looking for uh, that that kind of profile from a running back, I think Moss probably would should have been the preferred the preferred running back. Uh, you know, not necessarily in the late first, but he was a steal in rookie drafts as, I mean, compared to where you could get Vaughn and um, a nice value in in redraft leagues too. So I own him on a lot of teams, and I'm I'm definitely uh, pretty excited about this stat line and looking forward to uh, to what he can do going forward. I think most weeks we'd expect the Jets entire offense to be a little bit better. So uh, should should be more more good things to come for Moss. Yeah, nah, man. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm with you. Like, I'm 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 optimistic on Moss going forward. Like, like I'm I'm kind of excited 
like uh, uh, the fact that he was more productive as a receiver, um, you know, he, like and on fewer targets. It's just like, I think it just is like, showing that Singletary might just not be the guy. And we've seen the Bills really just sort of go away from Singletary in games, right? Like they just don't use him in like when they're failing or anything. So like, I think that you know Moss's time is coming soon. All right, moving on to regular news item number three. Scotty Miller caught six of nine targets for 109 yards and a touchdown in the Buccaneers' Week 7 win over the Raiders. Although both Chris Godwin and Mike Evans were active, Miller led the Bucks receiving core in total yards. So what are your thoughts on this whole wide receiver group going forward? Yeah, um, it's pretty weird, right? Uh, you've got Evans, you've got Godwin, uh, and it's uh, Scotty Miller, a guy who Pat Rain wrote <laughs> up uh, for the site last year. As yeah. emerging just as a as a bona fide you know superstar, um, both him and Godwin both saw nine targets, and uh, Godwin turned you know caught all nine of his and got eighty you know eighty eight yards and, and a score. Here's what's messed up, right? What's going on with Evans? Because he only saw two targets and he caught them for you know both both for thirty seven yards, no scores. But then Gronkowski saw eight targets and Leonard Fournette saw seven. So uh, what's going on here? Yeah, and it was also the second week in a row that Evans had only two targets, um, which I think last week was the first week Godwin was back, if I'm not mistaken. So it seems like, you know, despite the fact that Evans has been able to get some targets earlier in the season when he and Godwin are both on the field, and especially with Scotty Miller now emerging, yeah, I don't know. It seems like Evans' game maybe doesn't align as well with what Brady can do, which is kind of the concerns we had for Evans going into the season. And it seems like that might be coming to that might be uh, what's going on here. So I'm definitely concerned for Evans going forward. Um, what do you think will happen? Well, what do you expect Antonio Brown to uh, – how's he going to fit in? Man, like, that's interesting, right? Like, I don't know what he's going to do. We just haven't seen him for a while. He could be like yeah. A.J. Green. Like, we, we just don't know, yeah. right? Like, like I, I, I don't I, – I, like, who's he going to really take, like, real, like, like target share from, right? Like, because Miller's clicking and, like, Godwin's clicking. Like, we can see them working him in. Like, I think part of the reason why he signed with them is because he can probably use it to rehab his image. But it's such a crowded receiver core that, like, I don't know – like – Maybe Evans is officially dust. Like, like, like Evans is like dynasty value. He just jumped in the tank and killed himself, right? Um, but, but, um, but, um, from a from a from an AB perspective, man, I don't know. Like, if you were holding him this entire time, like, I mean, maybe he have him in basketball. Like, it'll be interesting to see what happens, right? Like, like how relentlessly they target him. What are like AB's finishes? Like, he could just be a drag on everyone. But maybe this offense just really opens up, and that like like Brady like becomes the, you know fulfills his like potential or whatever like that we thought he'd be in the preseason yeah yeah it could be I mean um we haven't seen Antonio Brown since he played one game last year for the Patriots with Brady and he was decent you know I think he had 50 something yards on I want to say like eight targets or something and a touchdown if I'm not mistaken so um you know it it's kind of like uh what they had <laughs> for one game was was working all right, um, but 
yeah, it's hard to see. We we already think that this is a a crowded wide receiver room, especially with Scotty Miller emerging. You know, Evans already is having trouble getting targets. So I'm uh, <laughs> I just don't know what to make of this. Uh, I can't see Antonio Brown having a fantasy impact, really. Although I think it probably is not good news for. Scotty Miller. I kind of think Godwin is still the most talented wide receiver on his team. Uh, I think so as well. Like I'm, I'm kind of with you in that he's like definitely the most talented of these guys. Like I mean, you know, nine for nine for eighty-eight is really impressive, especially with the score. Yeah. Jeff Wilson rushed uh, seventeen times for one hundred and twelve yards and three touchdowns. He also caught both of his targets for eight yards. The Niners is a week seven win over the Patriots. Uh, unfortunately, Wilson was carted off the field after a third touchdown, and uh, the Niners fear he might have a high ankle sprain. In his absence, both Jermichael's Casey and Jarek McKinnon split carries. You know, who do you think emerges as the primary running back for the Niners until Raheem Mostert returns from IR? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of anyone's guess, right? Uh, <laughs> Jarek McKinnon's usage this season has been has been pretty frustrating in a way. Uh, there were a few games where he was getting a lot of red zone work, he was getting a lot of targets, and then they just went away from him for seemingly no reason. In this game, Jermichael Hasty had nine carries and turned him into 57 yards, and he also got a target, which he caught and converted for 16 yards. So, I mean, he looked pretty good. Uh, I, I would expect that they continue to use him more going forward. So I think if Hasty is someone who didn't get added in your league last week, you definitely want to make a move for him this week with Wilson out because it looks like it's going to be, uh, it looks like he's going to get the first shot at all the backfield touches here, which, I mean, it's just, yeah, I don't know. Can you explain this, how McKinnon has just kind of been entirely phased out? Just didn't look that explosive after that 14 touch game. Maybe his, like, you know, knee is still acting up or something. Like, he just, he, nothing in the receiving game, nothing in the rushing game is really unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Um, Devin Coleman, I believe, is can return from IR next week. I wonder if he's healthy enough to go. He looked really poor uh, before he got hurt, but we saw the Niners, like, absolutely commit to him and Raheem Mostert during the, you know, the, the down the stretch last, last season. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you could see them turning the backfield back over to, to Devin, right? Like... I mean, like, what's his name? Shanahan thinks <laughs> thinks Devin's like really ridiculously, ridiculously talented, right? <laughs> so, 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 who knows? I mean, I mean, Jeff Wilson, yeah. I mean, Jermichael Hasty just uh, he does. I mean, he looked fine, but like the fact that he got you know outplayed and outcarried for like most of the game, it basically was back up to Jeff Wilson, who was activated off the practice. Like, was he off the activated off the practice squad today? I can't remember. Um, uh, I mean, he's no, I don't think so. He's been playing. He's been playing every week, except for maybe week one. But yeah, Wilson has been. Wilson was the guy who got uh, <laughs> who Sean and I added in week three, and he got a touchdown, so that was nice. And then we played him the next week, and he had three carries for six yards and one catch for thirteen yards, and then we dropped him and did not pick him back up in week seven. I don't even know if we would be allowed to, but, yeah, we could have sure used his his points today. Uh, Yeah, he was inactive last week. I'm sorry, I confused the two, um, which is uh, bad of me. 
Uh, no, so he that's so right. He, yeah, so he was just absolute mensch um, today, and and you know just being active. I mean, like it should concern, I guess, if you're enthusiastic a little bit about Jeff Michael Hasey that he's, you know, I mean, with with, with Jeff Wilson Jr. active, he's running that far behind him. Um, what's interesting to me, frankly, would be if uh, Shani is going to start using, you know, start handing off the wide receivers a little bit more. By that, I don't mean, oh, you can pencil in Debo and um, Ayuk for like seven carries a game, but I mean, like, Debo saw three today, right? So, like, can you pencil in those guys for like anywhere between one to three each week? Yeah, I think so. I, you know, we know Shanahan likes to use his receivers in the running game. I mean, my kind of my kind of theory on what Shanahan is doing is he just wants to get a lot of players who are all copies of each other and can all do the same thing, and he can use them all in different ways, which in a way is smart because you can't, you know, the defense can't like. Uh, can't get a lot from your formation where people are lined up. So uh, it's interesting, but he keeps drafting these kind of guys like Samuel Ayuk, who who really function as kind of hybrid running back wide receiver types. So I I think I would we should expect to see more rushing work from these guys. Um, yeah, you, you know, I, I would have expected him to try and draft guys more like Julio Jones than these guys, but uh, I mean, guess, guess, uh, <laughs> guess, guess it works uh, for whatever reason. I mean, like, like, like the, like the Niners aren't a particularly great team though, right? Like we've seen just some horrific losses. They're, you know, like, uh, them, the Rams and the Cardinals are like behind the Seahawks in the division and, uh, the Niners have like the worst in division record. Uh, like they're one on one versus their own division, and their point differentials. Yeah, I mean, I guess after today it's a little bit better, but um, right. they're really kind of teeing off on teams that aren't particularly good. I mean, like the the you know the Rams and the Patriots. Like the Patriots today were just so bad. Newton got benched, man. He went nine of fifteen for ninety eight yards. Like that team, mm-hmm. he looked so so bad. Um, and yeah. part of it is just it's not his fault. I mean, look, look, look at what he's got. Like his primary receiver is Jacoby Myers. <laughs> Pathetic. And I mean, like Nikhil Harry had to go to the locker room early. Right. They didn't use James White at all. Um, this is like this team's an absolute shell of itself. Yeah, yeah, it's sad watching the watching the Patriots in 2020. But uh, yeah, who knows? They'll get an early pick, maybe. Uh man, yeah, yeah. Just imagine um, seeing what's his name, Bill Belichick, with one of these like receivers. I don't, I don't think he's, they're gonna end up with like as high of a off draft pick. But I think some of it just gotta do with like Cam not having a good like receiving core. I think they might actually extend Cam, frankly. Yeah, right. Yeah, they're they're a team that you you look ahead to the 2021 draft and think that they would definitely be in uh, be looking for a receiver. Or more than one. All right. That'll do it for this edition of the Fantasy Football Report. Please remember to rate and review the Road of His Radio channel and Apple Podcasts. For Hassan Rahim on Twitter at HRR5010. I'm Blair Andrews on Twitter at Am I the Real Blair? Thanks for listening.
This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.